0: Let's open up uh, the Bible to our Genesis chapter 17, just to introduce. Genesis chapter 17. I'm going to talk about hope and faith. Hope and faith. Genesis chapter 17. And uh, we'll start in verse 1. So it's Genesis chapter 17. And verse 1, it says here, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I'll make thee exceeding fruitful, and I'll make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. Just down to verse 19. And God said to Sarah, sorry, and God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. And then we just jump to uh, chapter 18. Genesis 18 and verse 10. And it says here, And he said, I'll certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I'll return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son." It's quite a remarkable story, and um, when I was preparing this, I was just reflecting how different uh, the relationship with Abraham was with some other uh, people before Abraham. Um, We have Abel, uh, who offered up a sacrifice that was acceptable uh, to God. We had Enoch, and it says, quite clearly, that Enoch walked with God and was taken. Uh, And then we have Noah, uh, who built that ark. He was instructed to build the ark, and it refers to in, um, I think it's Peter, where it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So uh, during that time, he was a preacher. He was uh, teaching others about righteousness. And then we get to this, to Abraham, and he's this bloke who has uh, these... uh, promises given, like a covenant that's established with Abraham and his descendants uh, forever. And that covenant was not made with Abel, Enoch and Noah, but it was made with Abraham. So there was something different about Abraham uh, to the others. Um, Of course, the others had a relationship with God and they did things that were right. But Abraham stood out amongst them that God would choose him to be the forefather of many nations. Kings will come out of him, uh, and it'll be—it uh, won't be his first child, Ishmael, but it'll be a child of his wife, right? Uh, Sarah, who at this stage was ninety years old, and it says that the way of women had gone past; like she, she could no longer bear children. Um, she was infertile, and. Sarah knew that and laughed, like, how is this possible? Like, And, and so it, it's a remarkable thing. There was something about Abraham that really took God's eye and said, right, this is a man of faith that I will choose to be uh, the father of many nations who I will bless. And it will come from his wife who can't even bear children. And so it's like and you, there's so many aspects of, Abraham, many chapters of Genesis that you can read showing his amazing faith that despite what Abraham could see with his eyes, like him being 99 years old, Sarah being 90, like how is it that I can be the father of many nations? But he had this faith that God said it was possible even though what you look at uh, seems completely wrong. And that's quite different to Abel, Enoch and Noah. Um, and, uh, And there was... I remember years ago reflecting on Abraham and i'm thinking, well we, we have the Holy Spirit in us which helps us with our walk abraham didn 't have that he was doing this uh, in his own understanding in his i guess his own ability he was just a, a step above so many others, and God saw that and chose him. He was this wonderful man of faith, and you 've got to remember as well and we'll, uh, read f- further in the New Testament that there was a lot of hope there tied in amongst it. It's like, yeah, he was this man of faith, but he there was this hope that what God said was right. Even though he looks at his wife and he looks at himself and how can this be true, but he had this hope in God as well, hope above everything he looks at, and, uh, and that helped his faith. Like, oh, God said it was true, and I so look forward to that. I suppose you can think, I so look forward to my dear wife bearing a child and seeing him grow up and have children and so forth. There's that hope, and uh, and that helped his faith in God as well, uh, uh, which seems to me so different to the other cases. So we'll go to uh, Romans chapter 4. We'll... um. Uh, yeah, Romans chapter 4. And all these things are examples for us. You know, we can shake our head in disbelief, like would we be like that if we were Abraham? Uh, but it's an example of us, like we've got the spirit now to help us. And, uh, and we can uh, read how Paul uh, explains it and we'll read a couple of sections in uh, Romans chapter 4. But I will start in verse 13, Romans chapter 4 and verse 13. And it says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. So what was an important thing about the whole plan? Yes, the descendants of Abraham ended up living under the law, which was uh, righteous. It was amazing because it gave people clarity of judgment to judge righteously. But Abraham was living well before the law came into place, uh, many generations beforehand. And what it's saying here is, look, if Abraham... um, And his seed got, obtained the promises through following the law, it wouldn't have been through faith. Now, there's a funny thing here that happens, that he was uh, made heir before the law, but those that ultimately live under the law, as uh, descendants of Abraham, were saved by grace. Right? Because that law came into place for people that, he was, that God chose and they followed the law. But because of Abraham's actions, his descendants were separated and saved by grace, right, as opposed to other descendants of other people. So it's an interesting little thing here and that's why Abraham had to be called and chosen well before the law was put into place. It's like in a, in a funny way, uh, the law was given to those that God saved by grace, if that makes any sense. But uh, I'm hoping it does. Um, and, uh, and made heirs before the law was in place, otherwise it would be made void. You know, be, um, We'll read out scriptures, it would be as per one's works. And we know there were prophets that grew up under the law that knew that. Uh, David himself uh, knew that, the grace of God. But there were others, religious people that we read, even in the time of Jesus, that followed the law and they did it as per their works. Okay, but, um, but the, it, there was grace there. So Ephesians chapter 2. We'll come back to Romans chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. So that's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But God... Who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Right, That's a present tense that's written there. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, In his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Excuse me. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Right? So that's saying to us presently, but there is this link. In that, it says in verse 5, it says, even when we were dead in sins, right? There's that dead. Um, And we'll read later as well, like Sarah's womb was dead, but God made life come out of it. And it's like we were dead in sins, but he made us alive, quickened together with Christ. We're alive uh, in a place of no hope. We now have hope. Um, And, you know, we've been saved Says in verse eight, for by grace they are saved through faith. Okay, the faith of Abraham uh, was phenomenal at the time, and still uh, when we think about it and put into uh, context, but his faith um, led to basically a nation being saved by grace. Now here today, we've been saved by grace. We've been chosen by God, unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it. We're being chosen. But we're saved by, sorry, I'll get it back. For by grace we're saved through faith. We continue to be faithful to God who saved us, and we're saved by grace that way. In the same way with Abraham. Okay, there's that link there, which is so important. And then it goes on. It's like not, we're not saved by works, lest any man should boast. Praise the Lord for that. We don't have this effort, you know, of, of trying to earn our salvation. We're either saved or we're not. And, uh, and it's not by our works that we're saved. However, there is, it says there in uh, verse 10, it says uh, we've been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So the things we do now is the best we can. We follow the precepts of God, the uh, commandments of God, they are the other works that we do, not our own. We perform God's works now not our own works. That's the difference. So we're not saved by works, and yet we now walk and follow after the works of God. Back to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And we'll start in verse 17. So Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So it's, Wonderful how it works there in uh, verse 18, who against hope. You know, looking at through carnal eyes, it was, it was against hope. But Abraham um, believed in hope. And it's like us. I mean, with natural eyes, we know we're going to die. We know that. Uh, it's happened to so many people before us. So against hope, we believe in hope that we'll be raised up Um, because there's a promise there. Verse 19, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not, right, at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Okay? He was fully persuaded. He had this hope in him uh, that fed this faith in God. And therefore, as a result of that, it was imputed to him for righteousness. As being righteous. Different to everyone else. Verse 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also. As an example to whom it shall be imputed, to us it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his, this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Okay? That's how it's all linked with us, you know, this justification. For our justification, we've been justified by our faith, and it's the hope that we have. We look forward to uh, being changed in the twinkling of an eye, which helps our faith, and it gives us um, this peace. Yeah, verse Verse 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because we keep our, uh, our faith going with our hope. It's propped up by a hope that uh, we look forward to that and we have a peace knowing that uh, God has all things in hand. Just as he did with Abraham, he performed this amazing miracle for Abraham. Way back then, he does it the same here because it's for us, for our... Um, but for us also, it says in verse 24, to whom it shall be imputed also for righteousness. And, uh, and then as Abraham, um, verse 20, it says he staggered not at the uh, promise of God through unbelief. Likewise also, it says in verse 2 of chapter 5, um, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. As well, we don't stagger and wonder if it's true. Uh, we have that uh, single-mindedness. That yes, this hope we're looking forward to. We have this faith in God that He will perform as He has said, because He did it to, uh, for Abraham as well, and we, spiritually speaking, are descendants of Him. First uh, Corinthians chapter five. We'll come back to um, chapter five of Romans as well. First. Corinthians chapter 15. Sorry? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. So that's 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? It's impossible. If if uh, we won't be risen from the dead, then Christ also hasn't risen from the dead. Verse fourteen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. And faith is so important. Like. Faith is not a vain thing in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished, but if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Okay? This is our hope. This is our hope that uh, Christ has risen from the dead, that uh, the the rising from the dead does happen. Because And it's just so beautifully written here that if that wasn't the case... We are living a life of pure vanity. It's it's just not worth it. All it is is vanity in that we only have the hope in this life of Christ. That's when it stops. And, uh, And it's just, it's vain preaching. It doesn't make any sense. Why put the energy in to preaching about Christ if it's only going to apply for this life here on earth? You know, we have a wonderful hope that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we also will be, as it says here, he was the first fruits of them that slept. And even those in the past that are now dead, you know, or asleep in Christ, you know, they'll perish forever. You know What a sad state of affairs that is. But we look forward to uh, being raised up just as Jesus Christ was raised up. And, uh, and there's a similar hope that Abraham had as well, that life will come, where there is no life. It's a shadow of things to come. Uh, James, chapter 2. James, chapter 2. And that hope and that knowledge that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we also will be raised from the dead. That helps our faith as well. James, chapter 2. James chapter 2 and verse 14. So that's James chapter 2 and verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. What he's saying is whoop-dee-dee. You say there's one God, well, the devils do as well. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's basically a fundamental. It's a common knowledge even to the devils. Verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar, seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also, Was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So it's this interesting thing here that Abraham, he had this faith and he had this hope that yes, of his dear son Isaac will be a a company of nations and kings will come of him. And then he's told to sacrifice his son. But you see, he had this faith And this hope that God had all things in hand. It says elsewhere in the Bible that um, maybe if he had to raise Isaac from the dead or raise another child of of Sarah, he still acted. By works, he acted through faith knowing God had it all in hand. God asked me to do this. I don't know why. doesn't make any sense, but he still did it. It's an amazing example of uh, faith that... uh, Abraham had, and he obviously never lost sight of his hope either, the hope that, yes, what God said is true, and, uh, and it helped uh, push him along. Uh, and even Rahab as well. You can think like Rahab the harlot, she was in Jericho, and she was justified by her work. She may have believed, oh, yeah, it's all right, I believe in God. They're not going to uh, destroy my house, but she didn't do anything. You know, her faith would have been dead. She acted upon that and her house was saved. And so uh, these works that we talk about are those works that God asks us to do. That's what justifies us. God asks us to do something, so we do them. We're acting in faith. Okay, And we've brought out a few aspects of that in the last month or so, of acting in faith. And, uh, and that uh, is the works that he's referring to here. That even Abraham was justified by his works in that way. Uh, Matthew chapter eighteen. Matthew chapter eighteen. And the reason we uh, we're happy to justify our faith by works is because we have this hope, okay? Being raised up to meet the Lord in the air and dwelling with him forever, instead of dwelling forever in the other place. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. And it says here, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted... And become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's like you can imagine, you know, the wisdom of the world says no. People don't get raised up from the dead. These are, I suppose, you could say, adults because they have this uh, wisdom of the world, you know, and. Um, Oh, Jesus, yeah, he was just this person in history that obviously said some good things. It's the wisdom of the world. Like, there's no, no way the human mind can comprehend that. And so it's saying as children, and uh, praise the Lord, we were as children. God said that you'll get the Holy Spirit if you keep seeking him and asking him. And uh, as little children, we continue to be as little children. Well, God said, I need to do this. So I will do that. I'll follow his commandments as best I can, knowing that, hey, look, we will be raised up. We'll have that childlike attitude. The Bible says we'll be raised from the dead. That's it. The Bible says, and I love saying this because uh, Pastor Daryl Hounslow used to say it, the Bible says that a whale swallowed Jonah. So it happened. You know, our natural mind doesn't say that. He used to say if uh, the Bible said a sardine swallowed Jonah, well, I believe it. You know, that's the, the, the uh, childlike attitude we have to the word of God. That's what it says. And it's uh, childlike when in the face of worldly wisdom. And uh, that, that is how we get to the kingdom of heaven, uh, having that, um, that childlike hope in God and that childlike faith knowing that it's justified by the works that God asks us to do. Back to uh, chapter 17, Matthew chapter 17. And verse 14. So Matthew 17 and verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. Very distressing. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and he departed out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them because of your unbelief for verily I say unto you if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed you shall say unto this mountain remove thence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting and uh, it's interesting here and how uh, Jesus reacted Oh, faithless and perverse generation. Um, And he scolded them for their unbelief. Well, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, did they? (laughs) They weren't believers. It's like, oh, these people, they really have no way of pleasing God without the Holy Spirit. You know, um, Jesus realized, I need to go. I need to be sacrificed so the Holy Spirit can dwell in these people. And, uh, so that then miracles can happen, so that then that faith as a grain of mustard seed is planted then. So the faith only needs to be small. Uh, I remember someone saying to me later, oh, you know, my faith is really strong. I'm thinking, how do you know when your faith is strong? Like, is there a scale on your faith? I couldn't quite work that one out. But faith as a mustard seed, it's all we need, a little bit of faith. Grab hold of that little bit of faith. That faith that God is true to his word and then that turns into this hope that it, it, that we look forward to and then that praying and fasting and continually seeking the Lord and we see miracles happen just as Jesus saw miracles happen. That, uh, that we are no longer faithless, even if it's just a grain of mustard seed. We still have that faith. We're not a perverse generation anymore. We're not rebellious. We're following God's ways. Okay? And how long shall I be with you? Well, eternity, he dwells in us. He's with us always now. You know, he's always in us. Jesus Christ dwells in us, always. So we are a faithful people and we are, we are um, an obedient people that have this faith, even though it's the size of a grain of mustard seed, it still performs miracles. And it helps us in our way, our day-to-day walk, knowing that the works we do are instructed by God and it is not Dead. There is a purpose to it. Back to Romans chapter 5. The anti-penultimate scripture. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. So Romans chapter 5 and verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So this faith we have, that little grain of mustard seed, which is the spirit in us, and then we live through our life, and we have tribulation. you know, And with time, these tribulations, these difficulties that come up, it works patience so that next time when we have a tribulation, we know God will help us. So we're patient in that tribulation. And then that patient leads to the experience. We've got this long experience because if we're patient through our tribulation over and over again, we have more and more experience. If we're not patient through our tribulation and we just bolt, we don't have experience. And that experience then leads to hope, that forward-looking hope. Experience is looking back this wonderful experience of God answering prayer. And as a result of that foundation of God answering prayer and his words being true and faithful, we have this hope that in future he'll do the same. In future it'll be the same thing. And as a result of that, there's this weird thing that happens in our mind and in our way we actually start glorying in tribulation. (laughs) How bizarre is that? We look forward to it because we know we stand stronger before God. We know that uh, we get revelations and understanding through our tribulation and we get closer and our hope grows because our experience grows because our patience is always there. Okay, uh, Hebrews chapter 3. So faith and hope is so vitally intertwined and they feed off each other and they keep growing and growing. Hebrews chapter 3. We'll come to uh, Romans chapter 5 to finish up. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Okay, it's like a profession that we are. Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, Inasmuch as he hath built the house, hath more honour than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house, as a servant, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence? And the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. So Moses here, in a way, yes, you can look at it as the individual. Moses himself and his house were faithful to God in delivering the law, and uh, he was um, uh, he was part of that house that was built by God. But you can also look at this as thinking, well, Moses represents the law. Okay, the law was given uh, and the people that obeyed the law in faith, you know, they, um, they were there uh, serving God through the law because that's all there was. They were faithful in all their house as a servant, as a testimony of those things which should come after, you know, knowing we know now that there was a shadow of things to come and, uh, and they were faithful in all their house. But now Christ is a son over his own house. We don't have the law over this house, and we're faithful unto the law. The law has been fulfilled. We have Jesus Christ over our house, the Son of God Himself, who actually um, who built the house, who uh, built all things, even. And uh, we look to Him in in faithfulness toward the Son of the Living God. And as a result, if sorry, as a, if it says in verse six, if we hold fast the confidence. Um, of our profession and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. You know, key words there, confidence, a profession and firm unto the end. If we grab hold of it and it's always there and we're determined unto the end, uh, we indeed will, uh, will see wonderful things uh, propitiated in our life. Okay, finish up in uh, back to Romans chapter 5. And verse 1. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith. Okay? Justified. Our faith is so important that we, through our faith, are justified. You know, we have a faith in Jesus Christ who justifies us before the living God. It's all there. We have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand firm and confident and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Those couple of verses bring it well together, you know, that faith and hope thing, that we're justified by faith, but we rejoice in hope. Okay? We have this faith in God, we serve him, we're justified, we do the works that are commanded by the living God. We're not justified by our own works, but we rejoice in our hope. We have this wonderful rejoicing that, hey, look, we look forward to uh, Jesus coming back. We look forward to uh, shedding this vile body and spiritually dwelling with God forever. That gives us uh, joy and we're saved by grace. Well, how amazing is that? That gives us joy as well and we rejoice and, uh, and we, we know that God is real and true and, uh, and we, we have a, a contentment and an inner peace as well. These are feelings that are good for people. God knows that and he's designed uh, the kingdom of God in such a way for us to understand how important faith is and how hope drives us as well and gives us that for us uh, to, to help us in this life to have that contentment and rejoice in the living God. Okay, thank you.